we are going through a sermon series called Gifted, uh, One Body, Many Parts. And let me just set this up again. I know some of you were here last week. Some of you weren't. It's kind of the end of summer. People come and go and travel and et cetera. And earlier this year, we uh, conducted uh, the elder team along with the church health team, which is a group of volunteers from the church, conducted a church-wide survey looking for areas of spiritual health uh, and areas where we as a church need to grow. One of the areas that they identified from this survey that we took was that a large number of the people who call Sound City Bible Church home felt like they either didn't know what their spiritual gifts were or they didn't know how to put them to use. And so this really is for us an equipping series. Fall is just around the corner. I am sorry to burst your bubble if you're still thinking it's summer. It's not. It's August 20th. So uh, falls around the corner, people coming in. This is usually for us as a church, a time of kind of growth and and families joining and things like that. And so this is a time for us to be equipped uh, to know what our spiritual gifts are and to seek that, to put them to use both within the church, but also in the greater world that God's called us to. And so here's the goal that we have. And we're going to be talking about this. The goal for the series is to understand spiritual gifts biblically, that's always, that's always most important to us as a church. We love to open the scriptures. Even when we do a topical series like this, the Bible's still going to be open. It's not just going to be the opinions of Aaron or the other elders. We want to know about spiritual gifts biblically. We want to know about spiritual gifts personally. How are you gifted? How are you wired? How are you uniquely designed and created by God to serve? And then here's the scary one, experientially to actually put them to use, to not just say, oh, I have the spiritual gift of hospitality and then never invite anyone over to your house, okay? (laughs) That would be a fail. (laughs) So we're really seeking to have all three of these goals accomplished, knowing your gifts, biblically, personally, and experientially. And so with that said, I'm gonna invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm gonna invite Josh for this service. We're gonna have a reading from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 20, and then I'll pray and we'll get to work. This is the word of God. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you have called us to be a body. God, I I believe deeply um, and that your word teaches that the church is unlike any other organization or or, or group of people that exists on the planet, that that the church is more than just a, a civic organization and the church is more than just a business or the church is more than just an event to attend, but God, that the church really is a body and we're connected through our Savior, Jesus. And so, Jesus, I ask and pray that our attention would go to you first and foremost, would go to you and you alone. God, I ask for all of us that you would give us teachable hearts and and God, not just soft and teachable hearts, but God, you'd give us hearts that are stirred with passion and desire to follow you into what you're leading us into. God, for myself, as as always, I ask and I pray that you would guard my lips and, and help me to only teach that which is in line with the truth of your word. And we pray all of this in Jesus' good name. Everyone said... Amen. All right, we're going we're gonna to focus today around two words, and those two words are unity and diversity. And, uh, you know, really irrelevant stuff uh, in our day, in our culture right now. Uh, isn't God's timing amazing? Having a lot of conversations in our nation right now, are we not about unity about coming together. We need to come together uh, in the midst of really uh, intense racial tensions that are causing a lot of 
Um, well, a lot of activity on social media, a lot of consternation in the news, all sorts of conversations around water coolers at work. We're talking about unity. How are we going to come together as a nation? Last night I was, was watching uh, some sports center, just kind of uh, unwinding, and I saw that there was one of the games, I don't remember who the player was, I think it was actually Marshawn Lynch, was sitting for the national anthem uh, as an African-American player, and then the, one of his white teammates went over and stood next to him and, and stood for the anthem, but put his hand on his shoulder. All these sorts of conversations, his sports center is diving into some of the deepest things that we can talk about as human beings. Sports center... Talking about some of the deepest things. Like, I trust Sports Center for, you know, like, well, did they get the play action pass right or not? But when we're talking about the, the deepest divides that we have as human beings, race, I mean, this is not something new. This is as old as humankind itself. I might want a more authoritative source than Sports Center analyzing it for me, okay? And then with this word diversity. All the different parts, all the different pieces, all the different types of human beings, whether that's racial diversity or political diversity or socioeconomic diversity or uh, in our culture, lots of talks about lifestyle diversity or choices or different things like that. And, 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 and diversity is championed as this value, as, as a virtue, as a good thing to have uh, you know, lots of different perspectives and lots of different people. Okay, so here, here's the thing. Both the theme of unity and the theme of diversity are deeply, deeply biblical topics, deeply biblical themes. And maybe nowhere else in the scripture do we see this played out than in this passage of 1 Corinthians 12 that we're going to get into. Here's here's the thing. I'm going to just, I'm going to show my cards right at the outset here. My belief based on the scriptures and what the Bible teaches, is that apart from Jesus Christ, there can be no true unity or diversity. Try as we might, whatever it is that we rally around for, for unity, it's, it's thin. If it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, if the, if the roots don't go that deep, because the gospel of Jesus Christ says things like, before the foundations of the earth, God purposed to redeem for himself one family made up of, of people from every nation, language, and tribe. And that true diversity can't actually happen. We can't really actually live out our various giftings and callings and uh, perspectives on life unless we have the gospel of Jesus Christ as our foundation. So here's the big idea of where we're going today in this passage in 1 Corinthians. Here's the big idea. Christ's intent for his people is that they would live in true unity and true diversity, each using their gifts for the good of others. Let me read that again. Here's here's the big idea. Christ's intent for his people is that they would live in true unity and true diversity, each one using their gifts for their own good? No, for the good of others. So let's dive in, 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to pick it up in verse 12, and we're going, to, we're going to see that true diversity and true unity first flows from salvation. Verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all are members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Okay, this is, a, this is a really important metaphor. We touched on it last week in, in Ephesians. Here the Apostle Paul is using the same metaphor in 1 Corinthians 12. This is one of our uh, kind of unifying metaphors for this whole series, one body, many parts. So think about your own body, okay? Think about your own body. Think about the, the different ways in which you interact with the parts of your own body, Paul is is saying that the the people of God, the church, the family of God, is like a body, lots of different parts, lots of different pieces, lots of areas for complication, trouble, problems, but we're all unified around Christ who is the head. For in one spirit, one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. We have a baptism service coming up next Sunday. If you've not been baptized, now is the time. If you're a follower of Jesus, whether you just recently became a follower of Jesus or you've been following Jesus for a long time but you've never been baptized, we're doing it next Sunday. Get signed up, get registered out of the Connect desk. I'll tell you more about that later. We've all been baptized into one body. Here it is. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member but many. I want to point out 
the Spirit's role in salvation. And I'll just briefly recap this. I said this last week. Salvation is Trinitarian. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We as a church, we believe in the Holy Spirit, do we not? Some of us, depending on your background, depending on your experiences, some of us may have a functional trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Bible. I love the scriptures, but I love the God who gave us the scriptures more. And so for us as a church, part of what this series is designed to do is to help us embrace and understand who the Holy Spirit is, what he does. If you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you, go on our website, listen to that teaching. But the the Holy Spirit is involved in salvation. Yes, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he is the one that came to earth. He took on flesh. He lived a perfectly righteous life. He fulfilled every requirement of God's perfect law to the T. He died on a cross in our place. His death was a sacrifice to forgive us of our sins. His blood was spilled that we might be washed clean. This is good news, Sound City. And he rose from the dead on the third day. The tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. It's not just on Easter we remember that the tomb is empty. It's every Sunday we remember that the tomb is empty because if the tomb is not empty, none of us should be here. We should all be eating waffles somewhere. That would be a better use of our time if the tomb is not empty. And and actually, that does sound pretty good. I may have waffles too, but it's how much better are the waffles knowing that the tomb is empty, right? (laughs) Friends, Jesus is alive. We believe that deep, deep, deep in our hearts. The scriptures bear witness to it. The apostles bear witness to it. There were eyewitnesses. Jesus appeared to more than 500 people. And then he said, I'm gonna ascend to the right hand of the Father. I'm gonna go away. And and, and like many of us, the disciples, no, no, Jesus, don't go away. And Jesus said something. He says, no, it's better that I go away. Not only is he seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, but he said, I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And now each one of you who has believed in Jesus, who've repented of your sin, who've trusted in him for salvation, well, guess what? You have the Holy Spirit within you. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive and at work within you. The Bible does not teach that the Holy Spirit is only given to a certain select group of Christians. The Bible teaches that if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living within you, that you've been made spiritually alive with Christ, and one day when Christ returns, your body will be made alive as well. This is great news. This is the gospel. Just, I want to point out again, The Spirit's role in salvation. Verse 13, look what it says. In one Spirit, everybody say one Spirit. One Spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. So this whole idea of salvation, it all hinges on the Holy Spirit and his work. But here's where we get to what I said earlier, that true unity and true diversity has to flow out of the salvation that comes to us from Christ Jesus. He uses two examples. He uses the the issue of socioeconomic standing. Slaves are free. And he talks on race, Jews or Greeks. To the Jewish mindset, the Jews were the chosen people of God. They were uniquely uh, called by God, predestined for a calling. But but really what had happened in, in, in large parts of the Jewish mindset was it was us versus them. And they forgot about God's heart from the very, very beginning. Let me show you what's behind this. We'll, we'll set aside the issue of, of socioeconomic, although we could get into that. We could get into gender. We could get into politics. We could get into all sorts of things. Let's just focus on the subject of race since it is such a specific topic in our culture that so many people are having right now. Look what the Bible says about creation and race. Genesis 2.7, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. You are living, breathing dirt. So if God formed us out of the dust of the ground, that means our skin color should be an opportunity for humility, not pride. We're dirt that God loved and breathed the breath of life into. Notice what it says in Acts 17. The Apostle Paul is is preaching a sermon to uh, Greeks and philosophers and poets. And in his gospel message, he he says, it's kind of a side point, but he says that he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth. He made all the people that you see, the whole world, 
from Asia to Africa to North America to Europe, all the people, they all are descended from how many men? How many, how many first parents? Adam and Eve, one. Actually, um, I saw something really interesting on Facebook. You see a lot of interesting things on Facebook that you don't want to share. But I saw something interesting on Facebook that I am going to share. And it was a video where they brought people in from all sorts of different racial backgrounds. And they started asking them about their background, their family history. Are there any types of people that you don't get along with? The one that really cracked me up was the Irish guy that said he really didn't get along well with Germans because he thought they were too, uh, what is it, opinionated. And... Um, but, you know, they had a, a Kurdish person, so they didn't really like Turkish people. And they had just all sorts of different people. And they said, would you like to take a DNA test? And they did a DNA test on all these people and found out that the Irish guy was 25% German uh, among, among many other things. And, and people were in tears. People were hugging each other because it just showed scientifically what the Bible has already been saying since the beginning, that we're all much more connected than we are different. I'll share it up on Facebook if you... If, if, if I remember. Exodus 22, God specifically gives the, the Jewish people, the Israelite people, an instruction that says, you cannot oppress the sojourner or the alien for you yourselves were once sojourners in the land of Egypt. Meaning that God's heart of love and care for all people extends beyond just the one group of people the Jews, that God had called for a specific purpose. Now, when it comes to redemption, that's God's, that's God's care for just all of creation. But even when we get into specifically the subject of redemption, look at, look at the theme that's woven throughout the whole Bible. Genesis 22, God goes to a man named Abram and makes him a promise. He says, Abraham, well, Abram, I'm changing your name to Abraham. And he says, I am going to use your offspring to be a blessing to the whole world. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as grains of sand on the seashore, and all of the nations of the world are going to be blessed through your seed. That's from the very beginning. That's Genesis 22. You've barely, you've barely gotten a few pages into the Bible, and that promise is already there. Matthew chapter 8, Jesus himself said, people are going to come from north, south, east, west, and they are going to recline at the table with Abraham in the kingdom of God. So Jesus said that even though he lived in Israel, he ministered in Israel, he ministered in the, the, the region of Palestine, he even said it, people are coming, get ready, from north, south, east, and west. And all of us who are not Jewish say, praise God. We got the invitation, Revelation 7, the picture of worship that's happening in heaven. The apostle John says, I looked and I saw a great multitude that no one could number. No one could number. You ever been to like a really big concert or a really big sporting event and there's like this sea of people and they announce something like, you know, there's 50,000 people here. Like, I don't even know how you would even begin to count that. That's like a speck, like millions upon millions of people, a multitude that no one could number from every nation, all tribes, peoples, languages, standing before the throne, before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Friends, the only hope that we have in the United States of America or really the world for true racial reconciliation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if the Bible claims that racial reconciliation, one of the, one of the oldest and biggest problems that humanity has ever had to deal with what else could possibly divide us within the body of Christ? What else, what else do we divide on? We divide on socioeconomic stuff, rich versus poor. We divide on gender, men versus women. I mean, nobody here, but I've heard of people, right? We divide on politics. I can just sense it. They're like, please don't go there. Please don't go there. I, I, can, I can sense it. All right, I'll move on. We divide on sports allegiances. I remember one year when I was, I was a pastor at a church in Tacoma, when the Broncos were playing the Seahawks in the Super Bowl, there was a married couple where she's from Seattle and he was from Colorado, and they were serving communion, standing next to each other, her in a Seahawks jersey, him in a Broncos jersey. And I thought to myself, like, we got to prepare for revival. It's coming. This is amazing. Like, look at this. I saw people go to the other communion line to not get served by the Broncos guy. <laughs> Sinners. <laughs> Guys, the gospel brings 
true unity. When you go to your community group this week and you voted for one political candidate and you know that there's somebody in your community group who voted for the other political candidate or the other other political candidate and you're tempted to have, (laughs) you libertarians, and you're tempted to have animosity and you're divided because you think there's different ways we should handle running the government, I want you to remember that in Christ, you are brothers, you are sisters, you are one. And whatever divisions or disagreements, we can have conversations about politics, but if you feel more united to people of the same political party than you do to fellow Christian brothers and sisters who have political differences, then my friends, there's a problem and it needs to be addressed you might not have the gospel of Jesus Christ as the deepest foundation for your life. You are more united, dear Trump voter, with a Bernie voter, if you are in Christ than you are with your own political party. Can I say that? Can I get an amen from the church? And if you can't say amen, you can say ouch. Because, yeah, it's good. It's good. God's really working on the politics of the Gustafson kids is that (laughs) that is one of my favorite things that has ever happened in a church service here okay the gospel brings us into true unity no matter what divides us the gospel is our foundation we can have those discussions we can have even those disagreements we can it's that's that's okay but if we have to come to Christ his death on the cross his resurrection his ascension to the right hand of the father the holy spirit being poured out in us that has to be the foundation before we go anywhere into this subject of diversity okay now even with Christ at the center even with the scriptures telling us that we're one body many parts we can see that Diversity is challenging, okay? We see that in our nation. We see that, um, you can see that in workplaces. You can see that in, even in in families. Sometimes uh, when I do marriage counseling, um, it's not all the time, but it's often what I find where a married couple, some of the married couples that have the most challenges and the most struggles is because they're just so different from each other. The husband would approach it this way. The wife would approach it this way. He's an extrovert. She's an introvert. He's a spender. She's a saver. Whatever it might be, we're we're wired and we're created differently. And diversity in marriage, diversity in the church, diversity in workplace, it's all very challenging, even with Christ as the foundation. Look what the Apostle Paul says in verse 15. He says, If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It's got to be in that voice. Um... That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? Like, think about that. If we all were exactly like you, if you all were exactly like me, If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. Remember, we touched on this last week as well. God's the one who gets to choose. We didn't, in the womb, say, I want to be this type of person. I want to have this type of gifting. God gets to choose. And sometimes we can resent that. God arranged as he chose. If all were a single member... Where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. He keeps going. He keeps going. Verse verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. Let's, let's, let's look at a couple of problems that the Apostle Paul identifies here. The, the first problem that he identifies when it comes to our gifts, the, the, the challenge when it comes to diversity, is gift denial. Gift denial. Well, I'm, I'm not a hand, or I'm not an eye, so I don't really belong. When we start talking about spiritual gifts there are some of you who, who legitimately believe or, or at least struggle with the idea that I don't have any spiritual gifts. 
I've not been, I'm, I'm not gifted. You look at people that have maybe obvious gifts or flashy sort of gifts and you're, you're denying the fact that you actually have God-given gifts. A second one that's closely related to gift of denial is gift envy. Did you catch that, what he said? He says, well, because I'm not a hand or an eye, you're actually envious of the gift that somebody else has. So you could just flat out deny that you have any gifts, or you could, in, a, in an envious, in a sinful sort of a way, desire the gifts that God gave to somebody else while ignoring the gifts or even being resentful of the gifts that God has given to you. I'm not asking for a show of hands, but just asking rhetorically, how many of you struggle with gift denial? I don't have any gifts. Or gift envy. Man, I really, I really wish I was a, a foot. I really wish I was a hand. I really wish I was an eye. A third problem, which kind of goes into a fourth problem here too, is, is gift pride. Did you see that one? Gift pride. The, the I can't say to the hand or the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now, let's be honest here. I don't think many of us would come right out and say it that bluntly. I don't need these other people. But be honest. <laughs> it leaks out when people say things like, well, if everyone would just listen to me, if everyone would just do it my way, if, you, if they would just put some common sense in their head, well, common to who? You? How common are you? Well, Pride. We're really good at masking pride. We come up with all sorts of sophisticated uh, ways of masking it, of covering it, of, of excusing it away. Well, I've just, I've learned, I've studied, I've seen pride. If, if you're not like me, I have no need of you. That is pride. That is what C.S. Lewis would call the fundamental sin that was at the heart of the devil himself when he aspired to become God. It is, and I use this word intentionally, demonic to say, I don't need the wisdom, perspective, whatever that you bring to the table if you were all just more like me. That's demonic. A similar one related, number four, is gift projection. Where you just assume that everyone should act, think, perform, serve like you do. <laughs> you ever been really frustrated in the calling and the ministry that God's given to you? You ever been frustrated? I have. I've been frustrated. And I have specifically been frustrated. I remember one time, this was, this was years ago, but I remember one time I was, gosh, probably early 20s. I'm, I'm serving as a, as a worship leader. And I remember it was after church and everyone had cleared out. It was an evening service and I was left to stack all the chairs by myself. And I just found over time, I just started stacking them more and more aggressively because I was getting more and more resentful that there weren't more people staying afterward to help me stack the chairs. Now, on the one hand, yeah, it's, it's great to have many hands make light work and all that stuff. But on the other hand, I was finding myself projecting the fact that I am called by God to lead and to serve in the church in kind of a unique calling in a, in a shepherding leadership sort of a role that not everybody is called to. And I was finding myself, it was bigger than just the chair stacking. I was starting to resent people who weren't like me. Now, I'm not saying I've got that completely cured in my life, but that was a formative moment for me where I felt the Holy Spirit reveal that to me. Hey, like, what are you, what are you doing, man? You're projecting. You're saying that everybody else needs to serve the same way, the same level, the same capacity. Like, God, I, this might sound silly, but it was like this kind of eye-opening realization. God gave me a lot of energy. You're all sitting here like, duh. <laughs> God gave me a lot of energy and, and, and a lot of, and, and thank God he put it to use in his church because if not, I'd be destructive somewhere else. Not everyone has the same energy level as me. Not everyone has the same perspective as you. Not everyone has the same calling as you. Not everyone has the same likes and dislikes as you. Be careful about not only gift pride, but a more subtle version of gift projection. And then number five, gift shame. Did you know what the Apostle Paul said at the end there? He, you know, he says things like, you know, the parts of the body that seem weaker are actually indispensable. Okay, <clears throat> I've used this analogy before, but have you ever like hurt your pinky toe really bad? 
I remember one time at a lake, I jumped off a dock and I landed, there was like a rock, like the only rock, and I hit my pinky toe on it, and I felt like I was going to die. And I spent weeks with my toes like taped together because there's nothing you can do for a pinky toe. I was going to just shoot it off. This is, that's when I lived in Alaska. That's your solution to everything, right? Just, like when you hurt your pinky toe, like that can mess you up, right? It's part of the body that just seems so weak and, and, and so whatever, it's really indispensable. Or, you know, maybe for some of you, like, um, like a, a, a car people, right? Steve, you work on cars. Is the oil drain plug bolt really like flashy looking? No, right? What would happen, hypothetically, if someone took the oil drain plug bolt out and forgot to put it back in? What would happen to the car? Uh, no engine. No engine, right? It's, it's just one little bolt. It's absolutely just whatever. I remember one time uh, a relative of mine who shall remain nameless was making all of the pumpkin pies for Thanksgiving, put all the ingredients in, right? You know, a dozen ingredients or so, and she forgot to put in eggs. I was the weirdest pumpkin pie I've ever eaten in my life. <laughs> just one little ingredient, one little thing, just eggs, Right? The, the parts of the body of Christ sometimes that seem weaker are actually indispensable. Maybe you don't have a gift that's prominent, flashy, upfront, strong. Maybe you're not, you know, leading the singing or leading from the front or doing public speaking or whatever, but you have, you, you have this gift that you feel like maybe is kind of weaker or, or a little more behind the scenes. The enemy would love to come in and bring shame But the word of God says, you might be most indispensable of all. The other analogy he uses, (laughs) those parts of the body we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and the unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Um, Which which body parts do we hide? Um, Some might argue those are the most important parts. I don't know. Uh, That is the analogy he's going with. It's in the Bible. (sighs) <sighs> all the nervous giggling I'm feeling. I'm, how do you, I'm the one who's trust. I have to preach what this says. <sighs> it's at times like these when you quote from a British scholar. N.T. Wright says, <sighs> <laughs> perhaps he is thinking, the Apostle Paul, of the way in which in a, in a great impor- imperial household, the person with the greatest honor is the person who is normally protected from view. The emperor himself does not come out and appear to just everyone walking down the street. Only minor officials do that. From this point of view, the, quote, shame, which covers up certain parts of the body, should not imply that we wish we did not possess such things. It should imply, rather, that these things are far too important for just every passerby to glance at. So the idea is, again, not everything in the body is you know, kind of the, the out front or noticeable. Again, those are parts where within just the, the, the body of Christ, we can tend to gravitate towards. If I don't have a public speaking gift, if I don't blog really well, if I'm not you know, a photographer, an artist, a musician, you could have shame. Whereas maybe what God is saying is, yeah, you're, you're, you're a part of the body that is clothed or hidden from view. But again, your, your role and your part is indispensable. One of the things I hope and pray, you're going to get really annoyed at myself and the other pastors hearing this, but every person has a part to play. Every person, every part of the body, every member has a part to play. And I would submit to you that if we do not have all of the members of the body functioning in a healthy way, then we are not a healthy body. We're not a healthy body if we don't have all the parts functioning. But look at all of those challenges. Even with Christ as a foundation, diversity is really hard. But it starts by identifying maybe which one of those struggles you fall into, naming it, speaking it out, seeking help and love from your brothers and sisters to help you understand what your gifts are, but remembering again Christ is the one who unifies us and actually frees us to live out our diverse giftings and callings. Diversity is challenging, but the Apostle Paul wants to remind us that true diversity is actually a huge blessing. Picking back up in uh, verse 24, God has so composed the body, 
giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. God, we pray for Sound City Bible Church that there would be no division in the body. And God, we pray for the capital C Church, all of those who call on Jesus, that there would be no division. God, forgive us for our sinfulness and our selfishness and our pride in which we divide from one another. God, that's your prayer. Lord Jesus, you prayed in John chapter 17, that we would be one. God, forgive us for allowing division to come into the body. God's goal is that there would be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, helping. That's a spiritual gift. Just helping, administrating. There are a few of you who are like, you're taking notes in Microsoft Excel right now and you just got super excited. That's a spiritual gift. Various kinds of tongues. And then a bunch of you just freaked out. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you still a more excellent way. Now, here's the deal. Next week and the week after, we're gonna take two, we're gonna take two Sundays and we're gonna look at the gifts themselves that the Bible gives to us. Depending on how you look at it, there's somewhere between 18 and 21 gifts that are outlined in five different passages in the New Testament. Next week, we're going to look at these so-called, quote, ordinary gifts, leadership, administration, helps, hospitality, mercy. We're going to look at those ordinary gifts. The next week after that, we're going to look at these so-called extraordinary gifts, miracles, healings, prophecy, tongues. That's going to be awesome. And Michael's going to help me with interpretive dance and flag waving, right? All right, it's going to be good. So make sure to be here two weeks from now. That's where we're going. So we're going to get into those, into those gifts, those verses that we just looked at here. But let me just simply point out the blessing. Look, it is a challenging, it is a challenging thing to really live out diversity with a heart and a spirit of unity. But look at the blessings we receive when we do it. The Apostle Paul points out a few blessings. He says, there's the blessing of belonging. You are members of the body. Friends, we all want to belong, don't we? I mean, this is deep of a human desire as anything that there is. We all want to belong. We all want to know and to be known and to be loved and to be accepted. I'm so thankful for our brother Steve giving that testimony earlier about the acceptance that he found in identity groups where, where he was able to be vulnerable and share some sins and some struggles and people were able to know him and love him and bless him. That's a picture. That's a, a taste. That's an appetizer for the kingdom of God in which we will all belong to our God and our Father forever. We'll all belong to our Savior, Jesus Christ. We'll be part of that great multitude that no one could count in number. We get to belong. We get to be in. It's the great thing about the gospel. If, if you are a Christian, if you're saved, God wants you. He desires you. He has specifically composed the body. It just said, as he sees fit. It's not like, you know, when you're, when you're like, you know, if you're someone who, you know, you, you, you build a car or you build some project or you do some, some you know, pr- uh, arts and craft project, you get done and there's like these extra parts left over and you're like, I have no idea where those were supposed to go. Anyone ever had that moment? Right? Like, we've all had that moment. Whatever you're doing, like, there's extra parts here. I don't know what to do with them. So I guess I will just put them on a shelf or a drawer in the kitchen for about 15 years and then I'll throw them away. Okay. That's not how it is with God. Every piece, every part fits. You belong. Some of you struggle with this. You believe the lie from the enemy that you are one of those extra discarded parts stuffed in heaven's junk drawer for the next however many years and it's just not true in all of our diversity. Even if you feel like I'm an unusual part, I'm kind of a weird sprocket, you belong. Even if people have told you that you're an unusual part, you still belong because God's word is more true than man's opinion. There's also the blessing of individuality. You are are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And see, there's a tension there, isn't there? Sometimes, you know, in America, our culture is built on a high degree of individuality. 
The Bible has individual sort of language. The Bible has corporate language. You're a part of this body. You're part of this family. You're part of this kingdom, this nation. But you're also known and loved individually that God knows how many hairs are on your head. And some of you are making that easier for God than others, but that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's, a good, that's, that's like a time-tested pastor joke. Like, I, I didn't come up with that, but by golly, I'm going to use it. There's a tension there. We, we get to both belong to the group, but we also are known and named individually. Oscar Coleman, one Bible scholar and commentator, says, where the Holy Spirit is at work, there exists no unity without multiplicity and no multiplicity without unity. He maintains their individuality while creating this unity. This is the paradox of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Third blessing, the blessing of care. The members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. Friends, would you please raise your hand if at some point you have ever suffered or gone through a hardship or a trial and someone from the body of Christ has been there for you? Would you raise your hands? Hey, hopefully, my hope and my prayer is that at some point this would be each and every one of us. Not that I hope that you will go through hardships or trials, but we, we, we live in a broken, fallen world. Jesus has himself guaranteed us that at various times in life, we will face trials. But one of the greatest blessings, one of the greatest gifts of belonging to the body of Christ is that we can care for one another. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, it says in Galatians chapter 6. Sometimes people have... have, have uh, been, been sad or been, been hurt or whatever, and then they, they're, they're, they don't want to ask for help. I experience this sometimes. Oh, you know, Pastor Aaron, you're really busy. I don't, don't want to burden you with my problems. Like, hey, you're robbing me of the opportunity to fulfill the law of Christ. You ever been in a conversation where someone shared their, their heart and they're struggling and, and they're hurting and you just feel awkward and you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do and then somebody else shows up and they like say the exact right thing you ever been there in that moment that's the blessing of being different parts of the body maybe empathy we're all supposed to grow in empathy but maybe that's just not your like most natural gifting and wiring we all want to grow in empathy we all need to have empathy but there are some people who are just really gifted in that and they come in, they don't even have to say anything. They can just put their hand on your shoulder and just say your name, like, oh, brother, sister. And then it's like instantly tears and comfort. And that's the blessing of being a part of this body with its diverse gifts. Now, sometimes, especially if you're like, I'm using this ish idea of the um, empathetic and non empathetic person. If you're not an empathetic person, does that empathetic person ever bug you? <laughs> yeah, be honest. Bleeding heart, crying, whatever, you know, right? Just rub some dirt in it, right? Oh, <laughs> you got wounds on your spirit and your soul? Just rub some spiritual dirt on it. It's fine. That empathetic person can bother you, but if you really would truly embrace the unity that we have in Christ Jesus, that person is a blessing not only to you, but to this whole church family and this whole church body. Number four, the blessing of joy. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Maybe nothing that great is happening in your life, but somebody else gets to experience a miracle of God's grace. Well, guess what? Not only do you get to share in their sorrow when the, the hard, times are hard, but you get to share in their joy when times are good. That's a blessing. We all live out different callings. We all live out different paths. We all have different experiences. But when we're together in the body of Christ, we get to rejoice together. And then the fifth and final blessing that the Apostle Paul points out is the blessing of shared gifts. He reads this long list. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are, do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all in, interpret? What is the implied answer that the apostle Paul is going for? No. We don't all possess all the gifts. No one body part has all the functions. And so, when we embrace the unity and diversity that we have in the body of Christ, we get to be blessed and benefited by other people's gifts. Like in a body, right? Like if you have an itch on your neck, the neck can't scratch itself. You know what you need? Fingers. You can scratch the itch on your neck. And just by saying that now, a bunch of you are like scratching. You didn't realize you had itches. It's like the power of suggestion. I'm sorry. Sometimes with my children, you know, it's like if, if, if each child has five toys and there's five children. I'm like, well, if you could work together and you could share, you all could have access to 25 toys, right? 
But what happens with my children, and my children are not unique in this, is they get myopic, they get focused on, them. oh, these are my toys and I don't want to share. I'm like, well, you're missing out on the greater blessing. In the body of Christ, sharing our gifts, <laughs> let me put it this way, your gifts aren't yours. First of all, they're from God. And second of all, they are for the building up of the body of Christ. They're for the good of all. They're not for you. Your gifts are not primarily for you. Just like everything in life, it's for the glory of Jesus and for the blessing and the benefit of others. What a blessing that is. Boy, what a blessing it is. Let me, let me just close by saying this. Some of you are naturally more unity type of people. You're, you're the kind of person that likes organization and order and things to match and things to be the same. And you're going to have a harder time when people do different things. But how might God be wanting to stretch you in that way? And what might be the blessing he wants to bring into your life? Some of you are diversity people. Oh my goodness, you love diversity and new things and different and all sorts of different experiences. Well, well what's the foundation for that? Is it just diversity for diversity's sake or is it diversity based on the common bond we have as sons and daughters of the Most High God through the blood of Jesus Christ? Everyone here has room to grow in this conversation. Everyone here has room to grow. Some of you are tempted to be divided from others because of race, politics, economics, whatever it might be. My hope and my prayer for Sound City, my hope and prayer for his church at large is that we would be, as he calls us to be, united as one body with Christ as the head, using our diverse gifts for his glory and the building up of others. I'm also praying that God will give each and every single one of us opportunities to stretch this week. And my question for you is, will you stretch in the direction of where Jesus is leading you, or are you going to dig in and say, well, I'm a hand. That's just how hands are. God, I ask and I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit right now. Fill our hearts afresh. God, if there's anyone here today who is not yet a believer in Jesus, God, I pray that they would accept this invitation to belong to the body, that they would belong because of the work of Jesus and because of the, the one Holy Spirit that unites us all together. God, would you give them the Holy Spirit and, and, and bring their heart to life through the power of the Holy Spirit right now. God, for those who are already Christians, God, would you fill us afresh with your spirit that we would be unified in our hearts, unified in our love for our Savior, and then God, being willing to embrace the diverse gifts that you have given to us, the diverse perspectives that you've given to us. God, we need, we need different perspectives. God, a, a healthy body has two eyes and two ears for a reason, to be able to see and to hear from different angles. God, a, a healthy uh, financial portfolio has diversity in it, God, so it can weather. God, a healthy uh, uh, farm, God, even has diverse crops. And God, you've just built it, so we need different things, but God, we struggle with it sometimes. So would you remind us of the unity that we have in Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit? We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna invite you to a time of response. We're gonna respond through a few ways. The first is through the giving of our tithes and offerings. Uh, if you want to give online, you can do so. If you want to text to give, you can do so. Here's the thing I wanna encourage you. If you're a guest or a visitor, please know there's no... Uh, uh, awkwardness of being forced to give or any pressure like that. We want to invite all of you to give with a heart and an attitude of worship. God, you have given us so much. You've blessed us. And so this is an act of worship as we give in response. And I'm thankful for the faithful giving of the people of Sound City Bible Church. And we've been praying that God would help us to be even more faithful and more generous uh, as we seek to, uh, at some point, hopefully by God's grace, purchase a, a building for a long-term home, as we seek to grow and, and expand in different ministry influence that he would have for us. Let me read a few questions and, and prayer points for us this week for our community groups and our homes. Number one, how is the gospel of Jesus our only hope for true unity and diversity? How is Jesus uniquely able to relate to each of us individually? Number two, which one of the errors with your gifts, denial, envy, etc., might you be prone toward and what is God asking you to do about it?
Number three, are you more of a unity person or more of a diversity person? And how is God wanting to grow you in that other direction? And then number four, what are some of the blessings that you've experienced because of diversity within the body? This is a time to give testimony. What about blessings you've experienced because of unity in the body? And then pray that God would help us as a church to experience true unity in him, even as we embrace the full diversity of our guests. And then here's here's the prayer I want to specifically highlight. Pray that our unity and diversity would be a demonstration of the gospel to a watching, unbelieving world. Our world is talking a lot right now about unity and diversity. And when they could see people with different color skin holding hands and praying for each other, when they could see people with different political party affiliations with their arms around each other uh, in love, not in a headlock, you know, that's a testimony to the gospel of Jesus. Please pray with me that we would be able to live out that type of unity as believers in Jesus. We're gonna celebrate the Lord's table. The volunteers are handing out the elements now. Let me read, before we partake, let me read from 1 Corinthians 11 as we celebrate the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus that binds us together. The apostle Paul writes that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I know that we're, it's it's kind of silly, but we all have these individual cups. They're prepackaged because we're really thankful for Linwood High School letting us meet in here, but We're not supposed to have any food and drink. They've been really gracious. So yes, you all have individual cups, so ignore the reality. (laughs) But the biblical metaphor is is there is one cup. There's one table. We're sitting in individual buckets. You've even got little dividing arms in between you and the people sitting next to you, okay? Let all that fade away. We all come to the one Savior, the one table, the one bread, the one cup by the power of the one Spirit in this moment. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Musicians are going to play instrumentally for a moment here. This is an opportunity for you to pray, examine your heart, let the Holy Spirit work in you. Where do you need to repent, grow, change? And then I invite you to eat of the bread, drink of the cup, and then when you're ready, stand to your feet and sing with us. God, we thank you for the unity that is ours in Christ Jesus. We ask and pray that you would increase it tenfold, a hundredfold, a thousandfold. God, would you help us to be more one in Christ Jesus as we press into living out our God-given diverse gifts for your glory, Jesus, and for the good of others. Amen.